Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. This week, we've got something a little different for you. You'll find me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, sat here with Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. But we're joined this week by Navneet Bali, who uh, until very recently was heading uh, the hybrid hotel uh, brand Mininger, and he's up to something new. And so uh, we'll let him tell us all the details of his new live-in concept. Um, but first off, I suppose it's worth asking, Navni, it's a bit of a strange time to uh, start a business, isn't it? Is it an ideal time or is, what's going to be easier, what's going to be harder about kicking off now? Yeah, it's, a, it's obviously a strange time to be in travel or in hospitality. Uh, I entirely, I suppose, unexpected for most people. And uh, I've had this idea for some time in my head. And uh, I've been thinking about it while I was at Meininger because in Meininger it was a hybrid concept. In fact, when I first went into mining uh, seven years ago, uh, and that was a time, it was sort of post Lehman Brothers and, and assets were available quite cheaply. I remember doing the, the deal that we did in Amsterdam, which is an office building converted to mining. Uh, and we expanded it and it's the most profitable hotel in the mining group actually, because you know it's an office building, probably got the lease at a very low rate compared to what the market is, uh, was before t- a few months ago. And uh, so I've seen all that. And the, uh, the other thing that's always attracted me is the fact that uh, mining is a purely, uh, what should I say, uh, a transient product, a highly successful one, generates a very high uh, rent per square, uh, sorry, uh, uh, EBITDA per square meter, very focused on that. And I think uh, combining that with a, uh, a more resilient model, if you like, which is the uh, sort of residential model, uh, made, uh, was, I think, uh, an idea I had because it had two aspects to it. One, it created more resilience because obviously you had a more uh, long-term uh, business model along with the transient model. And, uh, and if it could be for the same consumer group or the same uh, uh, group, if you like, of uh, uh, demographic, which is these young people, then in the public areas where they can combine very well, they could be, uh, those areas could be used usefully and therefore there would be synergies and therefore scalability. And I'll tell you, in fact, uh, talking about uh, another product which I very admire greatly is the Charlie McGregor Student Hotel. And this is anecdotal. When I was just taken over mining again in Amsterdam, I went looking for a site which a broker showed me down uh, near Amstel Station, which is about 25, 30,000 square meters. And I said to my colleague, uh, Eric, who was with me, uh, I think it's too big for mining. Mining is 7,000 square meters. You can't have a you know hotel hostel, which is what mining is, uh, where you are sort of uh, you know you, you can't have it too big because that loses the character of being a hostel, which is not really a room factory. And we gave it up, and that uh, building is the student hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and very successful. I saw it. And in fact, what happened was 500 yards down the road, we had a greenfield site. It's the mining Amstel Station. We bid for it. We won that bid. That was a 15,000 square meter site, 7,000 became a miningger, 8,000 are residential apartments built by the developer, all greenfield. Mm. And the same thing happened again in Barcelona, somebody said that's a 30,000 square meter site. So in short, I think there's also scalability in terms of size. You know, if you can bigger, bigger size and do the same kind of energy for developing it and produce a result from a, from a, from a real estate perspective of a, a strong revenue per square meter, at the same time, appealing to the demand side, and we'll talk about that in a minute, 
then you have more efficient in terms of using that real estate and all the effort that goes into procuring a site and building it. So there, I think it, from a real estate point of view, it made a lot of sense. And so I thought about it a lot. And in fact, when I was in mining, I always thought maybe this could be another division of mining if I had the chance to do that, you know, mm-hmm. in the future. Um, but mining is such a fantastic product, and will be uh, after this crisis is over, that the shareholders at time said, no, no, let's just focus on the business model of mining. Uh, and of course, the idea was to IPO it and list it and so on and so forth, and remain focused on the main thing. So my idea was, look, once that's done and dusted, which was expected last year, I would leave and then start a new venture. And of course, this event has happened. The original question was, is a good time? I think you know uh, this is the time to start something because of two reasons. One, uh, you know, it's timely for me uh, from the point mm-hmm. of view of my own uh, involvement with Miningar, but also with regard to the fact that the asset values have been very high recently. Yields have been so low; it's more difficult to do attractive deals. And entering the market when you're entering anything with hospitality or real estate, you know, you enter at a lower point. You're more likely to succeed. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So the entry point. Uh, probably will be, uh, you know, I assume real estate prices will come down a bit uh, based on the effects of this uh, particular pandemic. I'm interested, David, in this, this timing issue, just to sort of focus, yeah, yeah. In, on, focus in on that. Um, you, you, you said there in terms of the lease, uh, is it simply, why do you think it is that landlords seem unable to restrain themselves to, to be able to set rents at a sustainable level? And we, we, Every cycle seems to have the same thing, doesn't it? We go in, you know, if you get in at the early stage of the cycle, you can get a, a, a good rent and it's a sustainable business you have. But as we come out towards the, the top of the cycle, which you just been through we've 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 had these very high rent levels um which as we which just aren't sustainable do, do you think that's gonna shift at all are we seeing a new breed of landlord property investor who's a slightly more clued in and therefore what they'll do is that yes you know, especially a, a a product like yours the the ideal i guess is to come in and say offer a, a relatively low rent but actually have a kicker on the upside to come in and so you're so it might be that it's a turnover based uh, it might be EBITDA based even more progressively um, maybe even taking a, a stake in the the opco what what do you think to this this push into the operational real estate side do you think we're going to see a bit more of that as we begin to climb out of um, the current mess we're in i'm pretty sure that's going to happen uh, and i think uh, you know you know for example I'll give you an anecdotal story again. You know, this is to do with Anders, Anders Nissen, mm. who is uh, one of Meininger's landlords. As you may know, he's got one hostel which he had. And I'll tell you the story. It happened in IHIF. I'm, maybe I'm transgressing a bit, but it's an interesting story. I was standing in the lobby of the Intercontinental with a colleague of mine, Eva, waiting for some, as you do in the IHIF, you're waiting yes. for somebody <laughs> in the lobby, you know, and, and in came Anders. And uh, I always knew that Anders, you know, Pandox and 150 hotels, 120 hotels. Why has he got one hostel in Copenhagen? I always wanted to ask him that question. I said, hey, hi, Anders. And he said, hey, Navneet. And I said, Anders, you've got this uh, one hostel. What are you doing in one hostel? And he looked me straight in the eye and said, would you like to have it? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is exactly what I said, yes. And he looked at me and said, but you can't afford it. <laughs> I said, give me a number. He gave me a number, right? And we did the deal. All he said was, please, no brokers, just you and me talking on the phone. (laughs) So we did the deal, but I'll tell you what happened. We did negotiate, and what it turned out to be was a minimum rent with a turnover on top, because that's how I could afford 
it if you like you know because obviously the i was very focused on rent cover i always have been when i was in mining the rent cover should be greater than two uh you know and uh, because i don't like leases which are when you're very low mm -hmm. than two because it's too 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 risky but he was uh, clever enough to take a revenue share on, on top of the minimum rent so uh, we do very well he does very well it's a win-win so i think that's the kind of thing that will happen but it could be uh you know that uh, i think it could, it could even be that no i don't personally like it myself it could be some kind of profit share as well uh, element did, did you do one of your analysis in terms of pro uh, profitability per square meter with him and sort of compare and contrast to some of the hotels because your your one of your big pitches has been for a number of years is that just look how much money we make per square meter out of the hospital hostels stop thinking about all those historic metrics we often use in 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 the hotel business you know revenue per available room and all that kind of stuff stop worrying about that and just look at the money it's making on a, on a more traditional property investor basis did did you take that approach to him yes i mean i think and that's why he knew that i'd been in uh, you know conferences and said we do red cover of two and mm. he thought maybe that's why this won't work right so if you like, the minimum rent uh, for us on a stabilized basis was above two. But if you take the revenue into account, revenue share, obviously our profit would then dip. But I calculate rent cover on the basis of the minimum rent, you know, the secure, secure bit. So I did take that analysis, but it meant giving up some of the upside effectively if the property did well. I was also interested in terms of we look around now and we see almost every sector of what we call operational real estate real estate is looking pretty bombed out so obviously hotels spectacularly so I don't think you can get much worse than closed hotels and and I think you know what Chris Setter was saying at Hilton about he'd never shut a hotel before but this crisis has forced him to do just that it you know it truly is an exceptional set of circumstances we're in now but as, as we climb out of that because one of the my big fears is that we're going to have all of these opcos in particular um if they've got any sort of lease structure in there um they've got this massive it's either going to have to be rent forgiveness or i think more realistically there's going to be a, a, a restructuring of the capital stack and some of the opco slice is going to end up with the with, with the propco people with the landlords do you, do you think that's going to be one of the ways as we climb out of this mess you know obviously this is a very unusual situation you have no yeah. revenue you can't do anything but yeah. i do think landlords uh uh, will be flexible in terms of structuring things because at least for for a while, I mean the other landlord uh, which uh, did a partnership with was Covivio, you know Gail Lele at that time it was called Fonsier de Mio, and uh, you know they obviously have uh, investors behind them who are looking for yield insurance companies and they like a minimum yield if you like right, mm. uh, but they're always happy to do something which gives them uh, more upside. And I think if they want to give up something, it's look risk, risk and reward. If you want to give up some uh, risk, then you want a higher reward in exchange. So I think uh, that should happen and w probably will happen because if they think, and I think, uh, for instance, in the case of mining, that's a good operator, and who can then replace mining and do a better job? So they would want to do a deal with them to make sure they, uh, you know, uh, come back and when the market uh, comes back and perform and uh, produce that rent. But in the meantime. You know, you've got to let the company uh, give it support to yeah. get back to norm. Yeah.
When you're writing your business plan now, what 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 are you putting in there in terms of trading to what we could sort of describe as normal? So clearly we're we're opening, we're seeing the industry open its hotels, but it's nothing like normal, is it? I mean, very few hotels, very few accommodation providers are actually going to be able to make money in this environment, this socially distanced world. Uh, have you put a timeline in in terms of when you see this this come? You know, we are getting back to so that we can have not socially distanced um, um, operating environments? So the fear of infection has to go away before you know, people start traveling internationally anyway, right? For both for business and for leisure. And mm. that probably is linked to uh, things like a vaccine or some kind of medicine which uh, takes the fear of the vaccine away, right? So mm. I guess that's the timeline involved. Uh, you know, some, some. I mean, I've been discussing with the hostel guys yesterday. We were discussing when, how that's impacting that uh, particular model. And naturally, if you have a multi-bedded room, you know, to keep it, uh, you know, give it to only one person, so you can't share it in other words, it's very uneconomic. And uh, as far as hotels are concerned, in the meantime, there will be legislation, I think, or maybe some kind of rules that you've got to keep a room empty after it's been used for some time, maybe 24 hours. That would reduce oh, the capacity. Really? That, oh, that could reduce capacity. So those okay. things will be there till such time, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the fear vanishes or, or, or authorities feel comfortable. And indeed, the consumer feels comfortable as well. Are but you, I do you, think it'll come back. It'll, do, it'll you, come back. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, are you operating to a rule of thumb on that? Are you saying 12 months, 24? We're not holding you to this. I'm just interested yeah. to know when you're trying to do a business plan in this kind of exceptional environment, what it, what are you putting in? I tell you anecdotally, when I was looking at it uh, uh, with, uh, in fact, we had Andrew the other day on, on a program and he thought I was too conservative. <laughs> He's a little optimistic. But I was saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a business plan, worst case that, you know, you don't open your hotels this year, <laughs> right? And then you right. uh, operate sort of 50% below the norm for the second year and then then it comes back with a one-year shift if you like in terms of uh, what you had planned earlier so so you're looking shift. at 2022 really before we get into a yeah yeah interesting and in terms of the sectors i mean you you, you were involved with um holiday and expresses in the past so you you're familiar with the select serve the budget hotel um type um uh, property do, do you think they are particularly well suited i mean often they're tipped alongside say service departments are the two sort of accommodation types in the short let space which are most resilient in this environment would you agree with that i would agree with that absolutely i mean uh, when we took over mining uh, you know when i came in in 2012 uh, uh, that it was bought by holiday break uh, from the previous owners, the three uh, star who started it. And I remember looking at the study that had been done post-2008, if you like, by KPMG, who had done mm -hmm. the sort of uh, commercial due diligence for the company, for the buying company. And it showed the results of the Berlin hotels versus the market post-2000, the Lehman Brothers, uh, you know, the event, if you like. And, uh, you know, the rev PAB or revenue per available had actually gone up over the, over the years following the... Uh, so I saw that actually mining are done quite well mm. and indeed just looking at anecdotally now if you look at the results coming from china with str reports the budget hotel market is the one which has been most resilient 
as you'd mm-hmm. expect, uh, I, I think. But again, maybe focus on leisure initially and more domestic travel. That's the other thing. You know, I mean, I think uh, domestic travel uh, business, these business, these budget hotels are focused seventy, eighty percent on the on the local or the domestic mm-hmm. market anyway. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, helps them in this kind of uh, storm. With, with living, you've got this, uh, how, how, it's not extended stay, it's beyond extended stay, it's, it's a more conventional rental product, I guess, isn't it, living? Is, is, is it kind of like the micro-living type thing? Is that where you're, you're with that? And is that, is that a, a more, re- presumably, that is a more resilient market than the, the, the short-term lets, isn't it? Yeah, I, it, I mean, my fundamental reason for doing this is one is the demographics it's meant for young people people who are graduates who've come out and working in startups or you know in the second job they tend to be you know gen z gen y we don't have them in mining because mining have been purely transient but actually these guys these guys uh, there are two things that they are uh, fond of one is they're not really keen on buying things a b given the economic circumstances they probably can't afford to either right uh, and see, they want to be mobile. They're always stuck in one place. So they may have a job today working for a startup in Berlin. Then they want to go to Barcelona. And now with this whole thing about not working from a particular fixed place or home working, if you like, I think there's, they'll be more peripatetic in that sense. And therefore, they need a space to live, comfortable, well-designed, but they also want to be in a community, if you like, where they can feel comfortable. And now with this COVID thing, probably even more safe, etc. And also, I think, uh, but I call it a, a, an urban village. That's the concept, right? right? So the idea is that you work, you stay there in a comfortable place, but it's a smaller place. Your living space is not that big. Obviously, then that's how you can afford to pay $1,000 a month or whatever the, the mm. price that you, that kind of price rate. And then you have a place you can work from. You don't have to go, go commute uh, into some other place. And then in the evenings, you can play there as well. You know, uh, sort of a village atmosphere. That's what I want to create. Yeah, this is all coming out of the whole sharing economy, for want of a better term, isn't it? That notion of of uh, we've reached peak stuff, um, experience economy, um, all, all of this. Do, has you know the COVID um, and all the challenges with that? I mean, one would think that actually that the last thing you're wanting to do is share, right? I mean, that's one of the because <laughs> the potential for transmission do, has that hit that? Do you think, or 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 do you think that this is just going to be a one two year thing and we're going to get right back into that where we were heading anyway? I think at some stage you'll get back to where we were, but uh, the. You know, this, the fear of memories are, are short, but I think this effect will last. So mm-hmm. you know, all this, all the things about cleanliness, etc. I mean, even look at Miningham. The great strength of Miningham was it was the best, most most clean hostel in town. Mm-hmm. That was its strength. But it, but it was equally as good as a you know, Premier Inn or a or a or a or a or a, or a, or a Ibis in terms of quality. So therefore, it was the most most clean hostel if you had around, and people were willing to pay a premium for that. So that's always been the underlying uh, model like that. But going forward, I think everybody's going to do things around health and safety, etc. And I, I do think that people, brands will be more important. But a young person would not want to stay in a big gray box, you know, even though it's very clean. We still want an environment which is safe, a branded environment which you know, exudes safety and all that, which I hope Livin can provide these guys so they feel comfortable they feel that you know things have been done uh, state-of-the-art whatever it, it turns out to be whether it's an app or some other processes that we all will follow to make sure that the other guests in the you know in hotel or the 
or this living space living living mm. in are are safe if you like or have been, been checked out or or the other processes in place to make sure everybody feels comfortable Mm. I mean, um, in, in terms of the wider regulatory environment, particularly on planning side, there's been some kickback by councils in terms of they say, look, this is just a dodge by developers trying to to um, sell two small apartments. Um, that that's that's how they they've seen it. And I mean, I know we've reported on say Manchester City Council have taken this approach. Do do you think? this is just an education piece that we've got to go here and we, 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 there's a need actually for the whole notion of what we have as planning at the moment needs a quite a radical overhaul um or, or are you i mean what, what's your plans with this are you just say for example if if manchester city council has this approach you just say well no point looking at a site in manchester it's not going to work for us is, is is that what you're going to do or do you think there's a longer term you can sort of work with some of the 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 local authorities authorities etc i think you have to work with the local authorities i know the brand for example collective has this so generous uh code which they have in london for their two mm. uh, uh, their, their uh, you know their two sites one in um, the city canary walk and one at old oak the acton and i think that comes into this so generous regime so but I think, given this crisis, this is a, a model which should be attractive for city planners. Mm. People coming and staying longer, you know, contributing to the economy. Also, I think from you know places like cities like Amsterdam and you know Venice and uh, and Barcelona, which have been sort of concerned about over tourism, people coming for short trips only and going away, you know, uh, sort of cheap travel. I think this is also going to be a reaction. There was a reaction against that already. But if younger, they want younger people to come in, you know, cities like Paris and Barcelona and Amsterdam. And this product, and I know that, I've been talking to the Amsterdam guys, they would love this product. They like the Student Hotel, for example, very much. So I think uh, uh, this crisis will help uh, models like this. And, uh, you know, but there'll be an element of education which needs to be done. In terms of the timing, the way you're, where you are at the moment, you would expect by the time you get a building open, then most of this coronavirus stuff should have blown over. The opportunity I see, and uh, some of the investors who are talking to me, is that there will be an opportunity to convert and repurpose existing buildings which have fallen foul, if you like, of no longer being feasible because of the impact, uh, at least in the short to medium term, of the coronavirus. There's an opportunity for, you know, living to come and take over that property, convert it from the purely transient model, which may not work in the short to medium term, into a mixed uh, use, if you like, of, uh, you know, residential come transient. And the great thing about being in this, uh, uh, in, in, this in a hybrid uh, model is that Without much ado, you can shift from one market to the other, you know, and that's the great strength, if you like, of a hybrid. Uh, 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 I mean, that's the great strength of mining, because you can shift between a hotel and a hostel whenever you uh, see the demand shifting. So you have a four-bedded room, a family of four can sleep there, or four people who share the room who don't know each other. So, you know, you can shift the marketing according to the demand patterns. And that's what uh, I intend to do with Livin as well, shift between residential and transient. As transient picks up, you know, transient, uh, it's like uh, any kind of yield management strategy. If you have more demand coming in, you can shift between the two uh, or three markets that you deal with. Uh, there's going to be less demand for office buildings. 
um, this whole the whole lockdown has upended quite a lot of conventions, hasn't it? I think, uh, Navneet, it, it's it's when you talk about conversions, it's most likely to be accommodation assets rather than offices etc or retail i mean i guess retail is particularly difficult but even offices is quite difficult isn't it in terms of conversion potential well you know in, in the past we had, had offices being converted into we saw that the mining because it was a flexible product you could have five beds or three beds or two beds you know the brussels hotel mining hotel i don't know if you've seen it, it's a old brewery converted to uh, to austin but of course it requires capital expenditure my sense is the next few years uh, there is no need to increase supply. People will want to use existing supply and convert it because obviously demand has come down and therefore there won't be much capital pursuing new expenditure and people will be wary of putting more liquidity in. So uh, cheaper conversions will be take place from existing hotels into let's say 11, right? Uh, offices require a little more cost because you have to put in bathrooms and shafts and stuff like that, right? But that is certainly the medium term. One could have that could happen because of the trend of offices being reduced in terms of number of offices uh, needed. But I mean, again, you know, uh, providing for home working will probably, uh, which is part of this live-in concept that you provide for people to work from home, and you provide a sort of a communal space where people who live there can also work from uh, the same building. That's part of my uh, strategy. Thank you very much for joining us, Navneet, and uh, great to have your input. Thanks ever so much. Uh, for our podcast listeners, we'll say bye for now.